Hello, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, recorded on the 1st of June 2014 at 10 to 4, and this is episode 42. So, hello again to the show. We're back again. Hey. Actually, in, in, in a weird kind of deja vu, we're, we're back again twice, because what happened was I've already recorded this show, and I did something unbelievably dumb <laughs> I hit the rec- I hit the delete button on the app that I'm using and I deleted the previous podcast I mean it wasn't that great anyway but it was really annoying because I'd already done 34 minutes of the show and now I have to repeat the whole thing sheer professionalism that I display is, is really stupendifying. Anyway, I'm, I'm back now, and so we can get on with the show again. Uh, okay, so straight into the news section, and I've been writing a lot. If you follow my tweet feed, although many of you don't, I'm guessing, because I've only got 80 followers, you, uh, I've been writing 2,000 words a day, every single day of the week. It feels like forever, actually. Why am I doing this? It's, uh, well, it's an effort to destroy my ability to procrastinate, which, if I had a superpower, that would be it. But, boy, am I finding it tough. So, if you think... <laughs> I'm pretty sure many many nerds out there, like myself, are wannabe writers. So many of you do not think that it's an easy thing to do. But I, <laughs> I had a, I had a brief chat the other day, and some people mentioned that um, that I talked to, who shall remain anonymous. Uh, kind of said that writing, you know, you just need the idea and the, the only hard, well, it's not that hard because all you have to do once you have the idea is just fill in the middle bit. But let me tell you, it is a lot harder than that. Oh, anyway, that, that's what I've been doing. Uh, hopefully I'll adjust and start to get more sleep and fit in the podcast and the rest of my life too. But but it is really difficult, and I've been suffering a lot this last week. And, and not only because of that, but because the week has been busy anyway, as life is sometimes. Uh, but um, that, that's my problem, I suppose. What does worry me, though, is that I've started on this course of writing. And in fact, I've got, <laughs> I haven't even done today's writing, which is foremost in my mind. But anyway, I've started this course of writing with a view to finishing everything I started. And it's also with a view to being published. Now, my problem is I've, I've only got one thing to do in this particular chunk of the project. It's to finish a novel, first draft of the novel. Next When I've done that, uh, well, when I've done that novel... That will be the first draft. But the next chunk of the work is really hard because what I'll be doing in the following month is I'll be editing the first draft, adapting, simultaneously adapting the story for a screenplay, 
starting the second novel and well it's a lot of work <laughs> I'm, I, it just sounds like I'm chickening out doesn't it but no I'll, I'll stick with it what else so yeah and uh, well, well like I said with all this going on um, I'm very busy but in a way I'm lucky because I found myself a beta reader so that's someone who will read the final draft I have found or I hope I <laughs> I, I, I hope I'm still in touch with a TV script editor who will hopefully and if I nag enough rip it to shreds and give me some ideas on how to re-edit the script before it finally goes out to a couple of real production companies here. I'm not just making that up, and a particular production bigwig. Do I know what I'm doing? Uh, well, all I will say and uh, is, well, seat of the pants. Whoa, I'm exhausted just thinking about all this. I think, hopefully, these past few weeks, though, with the uh, getting into the habit of writing 2,000 words a day, I can probably view this as the boot camp period rather than the actual war. Uh, I think um, a famous soldier, not that I'm into, <laughs> I'm into anything military, but I, I do remember from history lessons in school, I think a famous Russian soldier, Marshal Suvorov, said something like, Oh, what did he say? And I think this is quoted in one of those Harry Palmer films. I think it's something like, train hard, fight easy. So that's the idea behind it. If I get in the practice now, later on, I'll find everything else a lot easier. But, but I tell you, I just feel like I've been beaten senseless. I feel physically and mentally tired. But I'll get on with it. Stop moaning, Roy. Stop moaning. Now, about how I'm the technique of my writing, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to give wannabe writers out there the wrong information. But the moment I know it starts working, or it is working and it's getting me somewhere and hopefully gets me published, I'll start telling you about it because then I'll know it is working and it's just not, uh, you know, it's just not the false information. It's the stuff that you need to get your work done too. But that will be for a much later podcast. So, that's enough of me for now, and we'll get on with the news. And the thing that I read last was in yesterday's, in yesterday's tabloid paper whose title... Well, no, it's a Daily Mirror. Basically, they reported that 1D, One Direction, uh, got into trouble being caught on film with marijuana not because as everyone thought it was captured inadvertently on a mobile phone though why you'd want to film yourself doing that in the first place is beyond me but because it was actually captured on uh, someone's Google Glass device I should have injected somewhere in there allegedly 
you know, just, just to maintain the journalistic integrity. So whatever I said, uh, just add allegedly to the whole thing. Frame it in a big allegedly box. But yeah, the whole thing was apparently captured on Google Glass, and you know what that means if it's true. Uh, well, it, it, it's bigger than One Direction, um, but One Direction have at least now assured their place in immortality, though probably not the way they wanted it to be uh, remembered. Uh, but if their music isn't remembered, this certainly will be. Although... You know, for such a minor thing, I don't honestly know what all the fuss is about. But the thing that strikes me about all this is that the whole thing feels portentous. It feels like an indicator of things to come. It feels like we've gone past a, some kind of landmark in, in history. Because we're used to a surveillance society where everyone, well, the government is, is looking at us 24 hours a day, every day of the year, uh, everywhere we go. There's just no getting away from it. But now, <laughs> if we start wearing these devices, we'll be surveilling ourselves and we'll be surveilling the government too. I've just realised I've used the word surveil as a verb like they do on the X-Files and that's the only reason I did it I know it's probably not grammatically correct but if it's good enough for Dana uh, for uh, Scully and Mulder then it's good enough for me but yeah we'll be uh, any, uh, so you won't be able to get away with anything now so if um, so I don't know maybe that's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing I'm not sure but it is definitely a thing And you know the, uh, the, the slang term, that, that, well, the, the, the rather rude term that people are using to uh, <laughs> call people who wear these things and they don't like, you know, the names called by people who don't want to be watched by Google Glass. Well, the Google Glass wearers have been call, called glass holes. But the thing that also strikes me is... I love the idea of wearing a camera 24-7 and I'm not sure that I mind being filmed most of the time. You know, I've, I am Mr. Selfie, so I'm not sure that would bother me. But also I like the, the fact that if I'm wearing these glasses and I'm on my best behaviour and someone else isn't, they'll be caught on film. And as a journalist, that's what you want. Come to think of it as, as just a person walking around that's probably what you want uh, you want to capture people mugging you on films so that you can go to the the cop shop and tell them look look i've got some film i've got film evidence that this bloke took my iphone well i suppose that's how it work i'm probably not taking in a, a million things into account by talking about this, but well, we'll just leave it for there. If, if something strikes me again later in the podcast, I'll come back to it. Oh, yeah. The other thing is, these things are very, very expensive. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. And it's a pity, because I'd really like one of them. Um, 
I think there'll be a new, there'll be also a new word, not just glass hole, but there'll be a new word. We'll have glassaholic. I wonder if that's already out there. If it's not out there, I just want to put on the record that I said that first. <laughs> glassaholic, holic, coined by Roy on Roy's Rocket Radio at two minutes past four on Sunday, the 1st of June, 2014. There you have it. I'm sure someone's already got that. So that's Google Glass. <sighs> right. Ah, yeah. Uh, what we'll do, we'll segue into... We'll, we'll overlap them. We'll miss the next story and I'll come back to that because we've got a nice segue for Google here. And we'll talk about Waze for a bit. Now, Waze... Waze has really annoyed me today. As I said, I'm really busy with things, and the last thing I need is an annoyance of trying to work out how to get somewhere. And being a heavy Waze user, that, that's my yeah, that's my first port of call if I don't know where I'm going. Fire up Waze, it gets me there. Today, listen what happened. I had to take some family to a service station uh, for a pick up their coach. They're going on holiday. And... This is how stupid Waze is. So I needed to go a long length of motorway to a service station in the other direction. So I'm going north. The service station is at a certain junction, but in the southern direction. This is what Waze did. <laughs> Instead of routing me... Uh, Let's say, say that it was about 15 miles away. What Waze did is take me all the way back to a section of motorway where I could switch directions so I'd be going in a... So I would end up coming off right at that junction and right at that service station. I wouldn't have to go underneath an underpass or over a bridge. This means that instead of a 15-mile journey, I would have had to do a 50-mile journey. And lucky I noticed that at the last minute because I've made this stupid mistake before. I've you know, put in the navigation thing, uh, ignored the routes, uh, and just go for the easiest one and ended up going for you know 20 or 30 miles the wrong way and thank goodness I didn't do that today otherwise the people I was uh, taking would have missed their coach in the end I had to opt for using uh, Google Maps which is well it did get me there but I've got to say it is a horrible horrible program so Waze is not in my good books the other thing I've noticed is that it's getting slower. It's getting like that uh, Google Instant fi Search thing. So when you type in um, some place that you want to go to, it will search on every single word to try and hint, uh, give you a hint list of where it thinks you want to go. And this slows down my, uh, my phone incredibly. I'm using an iPhone 4S, so it's not the newest phone, but it, it's a powerful phone, and it, it really bugs me that it does that. And hopefully I can find a way of turning that function off. But, but if not, I, I think the guys need to, and the girls just need to take that out, because it's 
horrible. The other thing that many people have noticed, not just me, and, and that's been going on since the early days of Waze, <coughs> are all those pop-ups. Idiotic amount of pop-ups that Waze flashes in your face as you're driving along at 70 miles an hour. It's dangerous. They need to, they need to stop that nonsense. And the other thing that annoys me is one of the primary reasons now that I have a, uh, still have a smartphone is that I use Waze so much. If it wasn't for Waze, I, you know, I could get away with uh, just a feature phone maybe. So please, please sort that out. Google. Waze people, sort it out. Okay, and back to a little more personal news, and then we'll get right on with the Doctor Who marathon. So, yesterday, in order to unwind, I, I, I well, as you know, I play the uke badly, very, very badly, and I thought I'd have a go at, and and this is because I found the tabs online. I thought I'd have a go at Bauhaus's nineteen seventy nine hit, Bella Lugosi's Dead which is, you know, it's one of my favourite songs, and it's featured uh, quite coolly on that nightclub scene in the horror film The Hunger. With two of my favourite people, David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve. But anyway, I tried to, to play this song, and, yeah, it didn't work quite as well as I thought it would. Oh, I just hope I get better at playing a fretted instrument. Because that's what you need to do if you want to be in the rock band. And you can't play a gazoo, can you? Oh, and uh, apologies to any Hungarians listening, especially George in Drumheller, because it's, of course, not Bela Lugosi, it's Bela Lugosi. Uh, apparently, that's a Hungarian pronunciation. Where am I now? Ah, oh, yeah, and... Talking about Muso stuff, I have been, as usual, annoying everyone on hospital radio about getting my own rock show, and I'll continue to annoy everyone about getting my own rock show because I think it's something that's sorely missed in the area that I live in, and something that I want to remedy. So once I get the practice on the radio station, I, I, well, I, yeah... Well, right. Oh, and the other thing is, when, when I walk around the wards talking to patients, many of them do request uh, classic rock tracks that I enjoy myself. I'm just trying to... Uh, I'm racking my brain to think of the last rock thing I've played. All I can think of is a bit of Nirvana. Never mind. I think that was last week, though. What did we play this week? Yeah, it's gone. Wiped out by 2,000 words. Okay, and on that note about the writing that I have yet to do today, so before I can go to sleep, I need to write to put 2,000 words down, so I'd better get on with the rest of the show so that I can get on with that. So, as... If you've downloaded the podcast, you know that we're continuing with our Doctor Who marathon. 
where we're going from the earliest days of Doctor Who to right to the latest episode in preparation for Peter Capaldi's donning of the glorious mantle of Doctor Who later this year. And somehow I don't think we're going to be able to fit in all those shows because we're, we're still at... Uh, well, OK, so this week we're with the first Doctor in, and we're only at Series 2. Adventure 6, entitled The Crusades. This was a four-part adventure, first broadcast on the 27th of March to the 17th of April 1965. The writer is David Whittaker, the director Douglas Camfield, the producer Verity Lambert, and the cast, William Hartnell as the Doctor, Jacqueline Hill as Barbara Wright, William Russell as Ian Chesterton, and Maureen O'Brien who is relatively new as Vicky, replacing the Doctor's own granddaughter, Susan Foreman, who we, well, we didn't lose. She went off to, well, she she went off with a boyfriend a couple of weeks ago in that that episode where they defeated the Daleks. And off the top of my head, I can't remember what that was, but it was good. Okay, so the synopsis of this adventure, let's get on with that now. So the team land in a forest in the midst of a fight between some men fending off attackers. All the men are wearing medieval garb, uh, half of them in western medieval garb of crusaders, the other wearing the clothes of Saracens. The team helped the defenders, who looked like they had been... Well, they they were. The the attack was sprang on them, so they the team of helping the defenders. But in the process, they're separated, which seems to be a recurring theme. Barbara and one of the Crusaders are captured by the Saracens, who turn out to be Salahuddin's men. And the Doctor, Ian and Vicky... Uh, return with a survivor of the attack back to Richard's camp. And by Richard, I mean Richard the Lionheart. So, with the Saracens, Barbara and her crusader companion, who turns out to be a decoy of Richard, uh, someone in Richard's employ to take his place so that (laughs) he's a He's a target for any assassination or kidnapping attempts. Uh, So given that he's a decoy for Richard, uh, Barbara is quite understandably mistaken for Richard's sister, Joanna. Now we get a lot of intrigue following this, as we usually do, with the team sucked into negotiations between the Saracens and the Crusaders. During the course of proceedings, Ian is knighted and becomes the Knight of Jaffa. And, well, to cut a long story short, he is later captured, tortured, has a fairly rough time of it until he escapes. But, um, actually, on on that subject, when, when... So Ian goes off on some quest as the Knight of Jaffa, but in short order he's captured and staked out in the sun to be barbecued by the hot desert sun. 
And if, as if that isn't bad enough, while he's being staked out and dying, uh, a couple of thieves come along, and one, one, one of the thieves, a particularly sadistic and psychopathic thief, tells Ian that not only will he die in the sun, but the thief has decided to leave a trail of honey that he's painting from a nearby ant's nest onto Richard's hand, and what will happen is, well, Richard won't get the chance to be uh, burnt to a crisp because the ants will follow the trail of honey and eat him alive. And what's good about this scene, if it, you know, if you can say that, is it's vastly entertaining. The guy who plays a thief is so, so evil and gloating about what he's going to do to Richard. Uh, sorry, to Ian, that it just made me laugh. It was the, definitely the funniest uh, part of the show, and I did laugh out loud a few times. So, 10 out of 10, guy who played the evil thief. If you want to find out who, just uh, go to the wiki, and it will give you the full cast list. There are a couple of wikis for Doctor Who. But anyway, yeah, so Ian, but Ian does eventually escape, as he always does. And in the meantime, the Doctor has somehow become Richard's advisor, close and trusted advisor. Goodness knows how he vagles his way into these positions of high importance. On the other hand, Vicky, his young charge, is taken, is mistaken for a boy by the real Joanna, the sister of the king. Although she isn't a boy called Bob, <laughs> which which would have been appropriate given that it's all medieval and, uh, you know, that there's a lot of Blackadder in this. Even though that whole episode of Blackadder with Bob was set in Elizabethan times, but there it doesn't matter. We all know that a girl disguised as a boy in some costume drama is always addressed as Bob. Bob. Now I can't stop saying it. Bob. So, in essence, well, the, the Doctrine... Vicky have a fairly easy time of it. Now, we've talked about Ian's adventure or misadventures. Now we'll talk about Barbara's. She has a really horrible time trying to escape the Saracens, but she does eventually manage to get away with the help of a Saracen who has fallen out of favour with, uh, I think, one of Saladin's henchmen. But eventually she does escape, and the entire team get back to the forest. Um, the Doctor, through managing to hoodwink a couple of the Crusaders, in such a ridiculous manner that the Crusaders agree that they shouldn't tell anyone how the Doctor escaped. So they're all, they've all gone back to the TARDIS in the forest, they get into the TARDIS, they have a good laugh about their adventures, and then they make good their escape. But, you know, looking at Barbara and Ian's fairly horrible time, I'm pretty sure that if I was 
either Barbara or Ian, and I'd got back to the TARDIS. The last thing I'd do is have a laugh about it. They have a really tough time. I think, I think, what would I do? I, I think I'd collapse face down as soon as I stepped in the TARDIS. And then I'd call for beer, maybe a six-pack, an entire six-pack, six and I'd drink the entire, the whole lot, in one go. You know, I thought I had it in me to be a companion, but I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure now. So, that's the synopsis, and what was my view of the adventure? So, again, the Doctor shows us his chameleon-like ability to blend into whatever culture, whatever time period he finds himself in. The other thing I noticed about this adventure is that he and Barbara easily have the most stylish costumes in the adventure, so well done wardrobe department. The Doctor looks particularly fetching in this, well, crusader outfit, I suppose, with, with the chainmail and everything, but somehow more stylish. He has this, uh, especially with swept back hair and dark clothing. He looks slightly villainous, actually, which is what you need to do if you want to look stylish. You need to look slightly villainous. And, well, yeah, and Barbara also looks really nice with some kind of necklace. I, th I think it's a present from Saladin. She does get a lot of jewellery, doesn't she? She she got a bracelet uh, and then was mistaken for a goddess by the Aztecs. Nero gave her another bracelet. <laughs> when, when <laughs> I think I talked about this before. It was that episode... Uh, called the Romans. It might have been last week, might have been the week before. But yeah, Nero gives her a bracelet and he comes up with that great Frankie Howard-like carry-on quote and says to Barbara, put out your... No, close your hands. Oh, close your eyes and put out your hands and Nero will give you a big surprise. Or close your eyes and Nero will give you a big surprise. Something camp and, and silly like that. And gives her a bracelet. And now she has a, a, a rather nice necklace. She's building up a really big collection in jewellery that should see her well in her retirement, should she survive. And given that I, I've never seen, or, or perhaps I've put it out of my memory, but I can't remember having seen these very early episodes, I, I don't actually know what Barbara's fate is, so that should be something to look out for. And I've drifted way off topic, but uh, let's try and reel myself back in. Oh, and the other thing I noticed about this episode is a parallel, although almost certainly unintentional, with The Lord of the Rings, in that the Doctor takes... Well, he takes a post as Richard Coeur de Leon's trusted and close advisor... But with his giggling and scheming and generally unpleasant demeanour, I'm reminded strongly of the character of Grima Wormtongue, who is King Theoden of Rohan's advisor. Uh, I don't know if you can remember the guy who played him in the movie. Oh, who is that guy? He played the uh, the scary... Oh, 
the scary guy in Star Trek Voyager had to be locked up. He always plays scary blokes in genre, especially science fiction movies. Just can't remember him off the top of my head. Well, well known character actor. But anyway, the Doctor strongly resembled this unpleasantly slimy character. Although Grima Wormtongue is cowardly and evil, and the Doctor is good and definitely not a coward. I mean, at one point he challenges a crusader, nothing comes of it, but he's not going to back down, he's not that kind of guy. Uh, but, but yeah, in his general demeanour, he is fairly unpleasant. What I'm trying to say, I suppose, is the Doctor's a bit of a git. The other thing... Now, let's see, what kind of language have I used in this podcast? Could it be construed as explicit? I've said glasshole and git and damn. No, I... You know, I'm pretty sure that's not explicit. You'd have to use other words... So I'm going to remove... I I will not class my podcast as explicit and iTunes can do what they like. Oh, and off topic again with a bit of ranting. So all in all, well, historical dramas really aren't my thing. Especially in Doctor Who. Unless they have a strong sci-fi or horror angle. So I'm relieved that we're returning to sci-fi with the adventure called the Space Museum next week. But as far as the Crusaders go, or the Crusade goes, it's not the Crusaders, it's the... Yeah, it's just called the Crusade. Not bad. But there is one problem if you are going to watch this adventure on DVD now. I think it, it, yeah, it'll definitely be in the box set. It's one of the reconstructions, and it's not a good reconstruction at that. Uh, So you'll have some places where there's no film and they've had to use stills with uh, extra direction-type subtitles to tell you what action is going on along with the soundtrack. Uh, But the problem is, in places, the soundtrack is particularly awful and degraded. And perhaps it's because, uh, you know, a history of me listening to very loud music and I've got terrible hearing, but some of it I just couldn't make out and it made it extremely difficult to follow. Um... The other thing I noticed about it is that it is a fair portrayal of both sides in a stupid war. By that I mean we get a fair portrayal of both the Crusaders and the Saracens. Um, you know, you would have thought they, they, you know, they should have listened to Bruce Springsteen. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, and another thing, one thing I did enjoy was the extra bolted-on piece of acting from William Russell at the top of the show, which was filmed in 1999 when they did the reconstruction and they added this bit. 
And, yeah, William Russell plays an older Ian Chesterton, looking back on the adventure in the Holy Land. And all I can say is he hasn't aged much in the 30 years since. But that was a good 15 years ago. I'm not, I'm not sure if... Yeah, maybe Ian Chesterton's still a little... Oh, sorry. See, uh, even I'm mixing up the actor with the character now. I wonder if he's still alive. I wonder if he'll come on the podcast. No, I doubt it somehow. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, there was another bit that I liked. Um, yeah, so we get the older Ian Chesterton walking through a stately home, which you assume is his, through the wealth he collected during his adventures, hopefully. You know, always got to put something in the kitty for the retirement. Uh, and he tells us of how he became known as the Knight of Jaffa and, and points at a rather natty suit of armour. So that was quite nice. Ah, wow, 36 minutes, 56 seconds, 58, 59, 37 minutes. It's weird, when I first recorded this, it only took me 40 minutes in total, and that was with a lot of extra waffle. I don't think I've been waffling in this second take. Um, but that's it for this week's adventure with Doctor Who, and we'll be back next week with the Space Museum. Uh, so now we're segueing into the after show bit where I just talk about anything else I've forgotten about during the rest of the podcast. As I said, this is a second take, so I'm going to be extremely careful not to completely bugger it up. Oh, another word. Um, uh, and delete it by accident again. But it does, it does illustrate one point, though. I've... I record this show on the iPhone using clear record light. And although the I, you know, iOS, Mac OS X, Linux, um, they're all based on Unix. They've all got a Unix backbone somewhere. Now, if this was, if I had full access to the file system, I'm sure that there would be some undelete command that I could dredge up. But no, because it's all we're locked away from the inner workings, I can't undelete something that I've deleted, which is which means that I had to record the whole podcast again. So Apple, think about what you've put me through today. Although <laughs> I think the second take's better than the first one, so silver lining. Right, the next thing... Uh, oh yeah, I wanted to mention this. Uh, Sci-Fi Tech Talk, another podcast run by three excellent people, have f finally uh, agreed to let me on as a guest. Um, they haven't made any conditions, but I, I'm sure I'll be on my best behaviour. And so Sci-Fi Tech Talk is another fan podcast by some people who are really into sci-fi and they talk about the tech within a particular piece of sci-fi each week and it's very entertaining just google sci-fi tech talk and I'm sure you'll find them they're on iTunes as well 
That was a big plug, guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, as usual, I'm going to ask you to please visit the blog, rate the show in iTunes, email me, tweet me, got an idea, want to be a guest on the show, get in touch. And that's it for this week. And let's see, so this was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 42, recorded on Sunday the 1st of June 2014. With the time, well, the time now is 16.30, that's half past four, which means, I believe, I think we're at 15 minutes into the FA Cup the ladies FA Cup between Arsenal and Everton and as I am in a very minor way an Arsenal supporter good luck to Arsenal actually good luck to both sides but especially good luck to Arsenal so that's it for this week hope you can join me next week and I'm still going on aren't I I just don't want to finish the podcast I'm quite enjoying this now But I have nothing left to say. Or maybe I'm just procrastinating because I know I've got a full night of work ahead of me. And I've got to edit this podcast and get it out as well. So I'll stop waffling and let you go now. So see you next week, people. And thanks for listening to the show. And bye.